So this is Principles of Manhood number two. Last time we talked about um, the foundation for manhood, which is the image of God, that God made us in his image with the purpose of being the visible representations of God who is invisible. And so part of our purpose is to know God to have a relationship with God through Christ, through salvation, and then to carry out his image on earth as his representatives. And so we have that privilege, that capacity, but also that responsibility. And so then what we're doing is we're trying to work through, um, we're working through principles in the book of Genesis and using that as a launching pad to go through the rest of scripture and consider what does scripture describe as a biblical man? What is essential to manhood? Um, Because that's one of my goals, is to help you all develop your kind of men in the making right now, if you will. Men in the making, or I don't know, whatever, men in training, whatever you want to call it. You're, You're no longer boys. You're in a stage where you're transitioning into manhood. And I don't know, maybe you find that transition difficult, maybe not. I found it a little bit difficult. For instance, the first time I had to prepare my own taxes, it wasn't very fun. I, no one taught me how to do that. So just there's a lot to look forward to. But there's a lot of responsibility. And I want to help you begin to look at life through Scripture's lenses so that you can become a biblical man. So as your handouts start you off, let's just have a little bit of a discussion. Specifically tonight, we're talking about the topic of work. Um, Because true men work. True men work. That's part of what a man does. And we'll see that from the book of Genesis. But I want to just discuss in general the topic of work um, for a few minutes here. So somebody help us out. How would you define work? Let's start with uh, share some thoughts of a definition of work. Part of life. Okay. Work's part of life. Ezekiel. Physical labor. Okay. Physical labor. 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 Labor is a good synonym. Alex? Getting paid for physical labor. Okay, getting paid for physical labor. Okay. Necessary to survive. Okay, it's necessary to survive. To get food. Yeah, to get money, food, to get the things you need. Dominic? Discipline. Okay, work can involve discipline. Jake? Yeah, that's a big reason that a lot of people work. And You're exactly right. Find work as. So you guys have you guys have mentioned a lot about physical labor, Sean. Um, Jake said mostly people work for money, mm-hmm. but we're going. We did the church work day. We didn't get any money in. It's true. Yeah. And I think on the church work day, we probably did some work. Yeah. Ezekiel? Uh, People work for something. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to do any, it's just for something. Something you build a house to live in. That's Mm -hmm. what you build. Yeah. That's fair. And you'd consider that work? Yeah. Yeah. What about the engineer who drew the plans for the house, though? Did he not work? Because that wasn't physical labor. I mean, maybe. He did lift a pencil or move his computer mouse to draw it. Or what about a computer coder who writes the code so that you can use a website or an application? Did they do any work? All they did was move some fingers. That wasn't very much physical labor. They also have to use their brain. John? Uh, Overcoming things. 
Okay. Like things of the spirit, things of this world. Yeah. It's overcoming anything. Or it can be overcoming things. Yeah. Takes work to overcome anything. Takes work to do anything, pretty much. Do you see the hole, though, in your definition? If work is just physical labor, then um, there's a lot of jobs that aren't really work out there. So can let's try to refine our definition and get a little broader definition that includes other aspects. Labor. Okay, so labor. Help take that down the road because that's a good synonym. But what does that entail? Why are you it saying means labor? You're doing something. Okay, you're doing something. Um, which doesn't make sense for labor day at all. So is eating cotton candy uh, labor? You're doing something. It's Okay. So you have to not enjoy it for it to be work? No, you can also enjoy it. Stephen Curry enjoys his job. Katie enjoys his job. Shaq enjoys his job. He's actually rejoining the NBA. Isaac? Not as a player. He's getting He's getting better in shape. We can, we'll figure Shaq out in a little bit after 7.30, okay? Isaac. Um, I was going to say, work is anything that you do that is productive, that, yeah, anything productive, it can be even clues from, like, working a job to, like, doing, if you want to do, like, a hobby, if you want to do, like, just like something like side, like work is something that you do that you feel productive doing something. Okay, so you said two good things. It work should be productive, but also it helps you feel productive. Yeah, it's good. There's so there's intrinsic reward is what that means inside of you when you do work. There is a satisfaction in return, even if you didn't necessarily enjoy the job. The job there's satisfaction in completing it. Eric? Work doesn't always have to be a job. Okay. What do you mean by that? Um, like what Isaac said, uh, being productive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, being productive. John? Learning, uh, problem solving, mm -hmm. solving anything, learning how to do We're working something. right now. Yeah. You could. Could define this as working. Sean? Work is anything where you're applying yourself to something. Oh, that's the perfect one. I like that. You apply yourself. It requires some personal effort. It's oh, good. Get some like skin it. in the game. Say anything that takes effort. Effort, yeah. <laughs> Jake? Effort like say, like, Ooh, sports can be work sometimes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> if you're going to be a good athlete, there's some hard work that in, is involved. Yeah, and there's some people that get paid really well for doing it. Yeah, yeah, there is. Work brings some form of satisfaction at the end of it. Not always what you hope for. Ezekiel? I'm thinking. Okay. I'm going to kind of shift our conversation. Um, what does our culture tend to think of work? Is work a good thing or is work a bad thing? What do you think and what does culture think? There are two extremes. Good and bad? Well, there are those who don't want to work at all, and then there are those who work, work all the time. Mm -hmm. It's true. So there are two extremes in our culture. There's what people might call workaholism, where people are 
addicted to their work, where they bury themselves in work to the neglect of other responsibilities in life that God has given them. But then the other extreme is absolutely true. Um, People stuck on the seventh day. <laughs> yeah, that's one way you can put it. Yeah, stuck on the seventh day. Somebody write that down. Quote Chacho. We want that plastered everywhere. Fair enough. I help me remember that, James. I like that. They're stuck on the seventh day. All right. So. I think you're exactly right, Mr. Peter. There's two extremes in our culture, typically. There's a lot of lazy people, and there's a lot of people who work way too much. And we want to talk about both extremes today from Scripture. Um, how important are times of rest to you, and what does our culture think of rest? And this goes with Mr. Peter's answer, but how, how do you value times of rest in your life, and what does our culture think about that? Jake? Um, I think, like, today, like, people over-rest, in a way. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. And then, if you're, like, working all the time, or doing something all the time, your body's just finally going to shut down before you can do anything if you don't rest. It's true. Yeah, we can only go so far. Jerry? Were you going to answer something? Jake covered it. Jake covered it. Mental stuff too, even like yeah. Yeah, I think that's important because actually sometimes mental, well, not sometimes, mental labor is just as draining as physical labor. Brain power. Think about how many calories per day your brain consumes, and the harder you think, the more energy it actually consumes. Brain work is difficult work. Yeah. Much more tired at the end of the day, for sure. Mm -hmm. Even though when you're doing brain work. Framework. You didn't need to stand up for like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, you start slugging. If you were to say, "Can I get a witness?" I'd say, "Can I get a witness?" That's right. John, you had your hand up. This is what you do after you work. Yeah. Or in the middle of work, so that you can work more. That's a good. That's a good thing. That's a good thought. Is rest is something you do after work, or sometimes in the middle of work, but it helps you be able to keep working. Actually, the rest or the work. It's good. Button. Rest is the reset button. Or the charging cord. Interesting. So we'll take Sean and then Ezekiel and then Isaac and then we'll jump into some scripture. Sean? Um, so <coughs> if you rest too much, you won't get anything done. If you work too much, you'll end up resting too long and then you won't get anything done. So it has to be balanced to get anything done. It's good. Balance is key for getting anything done. It's good. Ezekiel? I think of it how rest and work go hand in hand. You can't have work. You, you can have rest and work. They can be separate, but you can't have one without the other. It's like light and dark. You can't have one without the other. Well, oh, okay. That was you would bring up light and dark again. No, no, no. no. That was a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> We won't press the metaphor. I know what you're saying. And so they go hand in hand. So if yeah. you yeah. can't have, if you have, only, if you only don't have work, if you only have rest, you're never going to get paid. So then you're going to have to work. If you only work, you're going to have to rest because your body can't physically handle that. Okay. They go hand in hand. Well, they do. Isaac? 
was gonna say, like, kind of like, um, there's a comment. Like, sometimes, like, you work after you finish a job, or sometimes in the middle. But, like, but, like, in order, there's kind of, in my mind, there has to be a, like, there has to be something for you to stop in the middle. It has to be a, to a point of where you're satisfied. Just, like, basically, of when you're satisfied with the work you're done, you can then rest. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes um, people get satisfied way too soon. They'd be satisfied with an hour's work a day. And some people are never satisfied. So 23 hours of work a day, and they're not satisfied. So there is some subjective aspect to it, but there's also, God's built some things into creation. So let's start looking at some texts here, get some scripture in our minds to help inform our conversation, okay? So under number one, the way I want to frame our discussion is, number one, is in the good creation. In other words, pre-fall, before there was any sin, what does scripture talk about? What does scripture say about work and rest? Um, but then number two is after the fall. After Adam and Eve sin, is there any difference? Let's, we'll see what the scripture says. Is there any difference regarding work, regarding rest, etc.? And then, number three, we want to bring some conclusion to it and consider work in the new creation, when God makes all things new. So we'll go and look at this. James, you got something? What's with the blank under humble work and humble rest? Under humble rest before number two? Before number two. Um, there's there's two lines there because it's before number two. You can see that again before number three. It's places where you can take notes. Sorry to be confusing. Yes, I'd encourage you scribble thoughts down as uh, as you learn something or want to think more about something. But let's go. Take your Bibles, Genesis chapter one. That's where we're headed, Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read some extended portions of the Genesis narrative. So go over there. If you've got a Bible, Genesis chapter 1, we're going to pick up the narrative in verse 26, reading. But I want to remind us of what has happened heretofore. In other words, what's happened up to this point in the story. Remember, Genesis 1.1 starts off, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth talks about how the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. But then it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God separated the light from the darkness, and he called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So chapter one is all about God's work of creation. So day one, he created light, and he separated the light from the darkness. Day number two, he created the firmament, and he separated the waters that were above from the waters that were below. Day three, he created the dry land. And he separates the dry land from the waters and he causes vegetation to grow on the dry land. Day four is the sun, moon, and stars. Day five is all the flying creatures and all the swimming creatures. And then day six is all the land creatures and mankind himself. So what we see at the very beginning of the Bible is God himself in his being, is a working being. Just notice that, observe that about God himself. God worked. He created. Now, it probably wasn't very hard for God, seeing that he's an all-powerful being. It's not like, it's not like he uh, broke a bead of sweat when he was doing this. 
It's incredible feats. From our perspective, God created everything that we see and observe and experience and everything that we don't. But was God tired at the end of that? Well, we'll think about that more in a minute. But look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Um, I will read, but what I would encourage you to be doing is make observations from what the text says about man related to work and rest. So look for what it says about work and look for what it says about rest, okay? And maybe that's, that's really why those bullet points are there, James, is so you can scribble a couple thoughts down, maybe write a verse down so that then you can share that of what it says about work and rest. Okay, so ready? Look with me at verse 26, <clears throat> Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. He talks about how he's given the plants also to the animals. Verse 31, then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God created and made. So let's pause there. What do you all see? What does, what does this passage say about work and rest? Yeah. Uh, then God blessed them and gave them the, uh, gave, and said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply, so that can be the work." Yeah. Be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. And it talks about filling the earth and subduing it, having dominion. Yeah, there's some work involved, Jerry. Yeah. Did you notice that? God actually built into the fabric of creation the seventh day. Who rested on the seventh day? God did. Let me ask you, why did God rest on the seventh day? Why do we have to rest? I have to rest because I get tired. Is that why you guys rest? But why did God rest? Did God get tired? You can call it out. Go for okay, it. so basically like what I was going to say is that I actually watched a video on this last night um, of where basically of where like God didn't need to rest. Yes, it was done and he rested, but like God like always works, but like he kind of did it so he rested on the seventh day because he wanted a picture to show. It's kind of like also why did God create the whole universe in six days instead of one. It's God made it to be a symbol. You work for six days, and then you have a day aside for rest. It doesn't matter which day it is, because as just as long as you take a day to have rest. Yeah. Good. So he did it as a symbol or a picture to us, Ezekiel? Oh, I found another one that was work. 
Go for it. So. Yeah. So they're ruling over the animals. That sounds like a big job to me. There's a lot of animals. Sean. God rested on the seventh day because he was satisfied with what he did. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it goes with what Isaac and James said. It was finished, and God was satisfied, and then He rests and gives us a picture of that. Jake. Uh, verse twenty nine is another fork. Uh, mm hmm. Uh, God said, "You see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of." The all the earth and every tree which fruit yields seed to you, it shall be be for food. So they have to like get their food and work for that. Yeah, it's good. JT and then John, and then we'll go back to the text. Dude, feel free. No worries. John? He rested to observe and admire his creation. Mm. Enjoy a job well done. It's good. That's also a good thought, to observe and admire his, his creation to observe a job well done. Okay, so let's put a pin in what John said. We're going to come back to that here in a minute. But just look down through chapter 2. Um, look down through chapter 2. Like, look at verse 5. Every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. So, prior to God's creation of man, there was no one to till the ground. But that was part of man's job, was when he was created, to till the ground. Look at verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. In other words, Adam was a gardener. He was there to take care of the Garden of Eden. Interesting. Verses 19 through 20. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. Well, that's interesting. Adam was tasked with naming every single animal that God had created. That's a really big job. Ezekiel? It says name all the animals, but we're still finding species of animals. So did he name all of them, or do we just forget about them? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Did, did he name all the... Did he name every species, or did he name a, just a, a broader category? Maybe. We don't really know for sure. So well, if, if you guys are, are, kind of are you guys commenting on that? Yes. We better stay focused on hard work and rest. I'm sorry. We can't get derailed on too many rabbit trails. <laughs> oh. um, look down. Look back, though. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Well, we just read that. God rests. But then look at verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. What are we formed out of? Dirt. Yeah, out of dirt. dirt. Out of dust. Do you realize the implications of that? That means we're fragile. That means we're weak. I mean, can you think of any lower substance to form something out of than dirt? Think about that. Well, that's fair. That's fair. But Psalm 103 actually talks about that. Psalm 103, uh, verse 8. Well, 
I'll just I'll drop down. Verse 14, Psalm 103, verse 14. This is down under number two, under humble rest. Um, it says, Psalm 103, 14, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And the, the context is describing God's mercy and his compassion toward us as his creation. He remembers that we're weak. That's really fascinating. Um, it's humbling, but I think it's kind of noble at the same time because dirt is pretty useful substance. I mean, mm-hmm. It's where all our food comes from. You can use it to make adobe, which is in some places is used to make uh, buildings. So, Yeah. So there's also nobility in being made of dirt. Absolutely. That's worse than dirt. Mud. Like dirt. together in the same direction then the human body, every muscle can lift, like, over tons, can lift tons of weight. Impressive. But we can't do we that. We can't figure out how to do that. But drop down to chapter 3, because chapter 3 is when everything changed. Remember, Adam and Eve, God told them, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They eat of it, and now they hide from God. God comes, he clothes them with the animal skins. But then God gives some very specific curses and the consequences of sin begin to take effect. So he curses the serpent. That's verse 14 and 15. Verse 16, God speaks to woman, to Eve, describes the pain and the sorrow that is going to take place when she bears children. But then look at verse 17. God speaks to Adam. To Adam he said, Because you have heeded or listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Here it is. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, that means in hard work, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So the principle we get there is, prior to the fall of man into sin, Work was a whole lot less painful, tiresome, toilsome, laborious. It was a lot easier. Why is work so hard? Why do we all have some form of inclination to, what's the word I'm looking for? An apprehensiveness about work. We don't want to do it sometimes. We'd rather, what? Aversion. That's the word I was looking for, aversion. Many times we'd rather kind of sit on the couch or eat some potato chips or play a video game. It's easier. The difficulty of work came from the fall. It's sin's effect. The ground has been cursed, so now thorns and thistles grow, and it's hard. But notice, it's still productive. It's not as easy or as productive as it was, but he's still getting bread, even though he gets it through the sweat of his brow. Ezekiel? Yeah, sometimes you don't want to do that, but other times you're pushed to do that. Like, I need to work. I can't sit here. Yeah. So it's like a double-edged sword. Absolutely. Jake? People don't want to work because mm-hmm. they're they have to, or they are told to, they have to. If they're told to do something, they don't want to do it. Yeah. They want to do what they want to do. And you know what that is? Pride and lack of submission. It's I don't want to be told what to do, and that's a big issue in our culture. Yeah. So a lot of companies I work for that work for me or do work without the mine, they, they can't find people to work for them because I don't know if they nobody can figure out mm-hmm. uh, all these construction companies and all these other people that work that work do work for me, they can't find people to work for them. Yeah. And they can't find enough help. 
Yeah. Because nobody wants to come work for them. And, they, and the people I do hire, I work for them for a day or two, and they quit. Quit after the first day because they don't like it. They don't like being told what to do. They don't like humbling themselves and doing menial yeah. tasks. Yeah. And that's important for you guys. I just want to encourage you. Realize, even if someday you own your own company, there's always someone who tells you what to do. You always have a boss in life. Whether it's your accountant who tells you what you should do with your money when you own your own company, or it's your customers. Everybody's always got a boss. So I'd encourage you to develop humility in your life and a willingness to submit to authority. But we'll leave that where it is. Mr. Peter? But I, in response to your original question, I think maybe what had changed after the fall was that there are all these obstacles that mm -hmm. hinder our work that didn't exist before. Yeah. We run into difficulties, things go wrong, things break. Mm -hmm. you know, People lie on their, so they have to get audited. Or yeah. You have to, you have to hire an accountant to look over your books. Yeah. So nobody, nobody trusts anybody. <laughs> but yeah, I once had an employee when I was a supervisor who had a real problem with authority, and it was a <clears throat> real balancing act to, mm -hmm. you know, keep him going. I basically had to kind of make him think that what he was doing was his idea. Yep. <laughs> yep. So let's do this. Let's go over to the book of Proverbs. Um, go over to Proverbs 6. We'll start there. Mr. Andrew. Oh, no, I was just going to add to your, you were talking about the, a lot of the issues, some of the issues being pride. Um, one of the things that I've learned is even in a, even in a work setting, like you said, you're always underneath somebody. Mm -hmm. Even if you know something, don't, don't, um, don't thwart, thwart that one. Yeah. Just listen, because you might learn a different way of doing something. Because um, there's different ways to do work in life. Yeah. Um, sometimes you may know how to do it a certain way, but other people learn different ways to do it. And to, so to avoid pride, uh, listen to the different ways. It's good. It. Yeah. Go through life as a learner. Be willing to listen. Okay, so Proverbs 6 is probably one of the premier Proverbs. So I would encourage you, we won't exhaust this topic tonight, but obviously by the nature of how I built the, the lesson, there is a need for hard work in our lives, but there's also a need for humble rest. Rest is humbling. It's an act of submission to God that says, God, I am finite. I am not all powerful like you are. I mean, how humble is it to have to go to sleep at night? We literally can't stay up for too much longer. We have to have sleep eventually. But when we go to sleep, we're at God's mercy. I have zero control of whether my lungs keep breathing and whether my heart keeps pumping. Have you ever thought about that? So resting is actually an act of humility and submission to God. It's essential. But Proverbs 6, look at verse 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. A sluggard is a lazy person. Consider her ways and be wise. Who, speaking of the ant, has no guide. Sorry, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 7 now. Who, having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provides her meat, her food in the summer, and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, 
so shall your poverty come as one that travels and your want or your lack as an armed man. Here's the idea. He says, look at the ant. There's no boss for the ant. They don't have a hierarchy of authority, but the ant still works hard even though they have no one telling them what to do. He says, look to the ant. If you're a lazy person, look to the ant and work hard. He says, because later on, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 13, Solomon says, love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied with bread. Can I encourage you? Don't be lazy. Develop a good work ethic. Don't love sleep too much. Sleep's important in balance. Don't sleep the day away. Get up and work. Open your eyes, he says, so you'll be satisfied with bread. It's important. Do you see this balance? So you can work through more of those. Something cool, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, says, Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him who needs. So Paul, in writing his lesson to the, his letter to the Ephesians, identifies an issue. He says, there's people among you who are stealing. They're struggling with taking things that aren't theirs. What's the cure for thievery? To work hard with your hands and do what's good. But he says more than that. Not just work hard, but he says, so that you may have to give to him who needs. That's one of the coolest things about hard work is you do get paid. Now, Proverbs 23, 4 to 5 says, don't just labor to get rich. Don't let that be your only goal in work. But you can, as you work hard, you'll have something to give to others who might be in need. One more text I want to show you. Go over to Colossians 3. We'll kind of wrap it down with this. John, are you raising your hand? Uh, yeah, I had a comment. Uh, another reason to appreciate work is to appreciate fun. So yeah. You work to appreciate fun. If you play, 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 then you yep. don't appreciate it. It's true. As you work, it helps you appreciate fun and rest. It's good. Absolutely. So Colossians 3. And while you're getting there, Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 22. Um, I just want to highlight, maybe go and look up the Isaiah 65 passage under in the new creation. Because what it talks about is God, he makes the new heavens and the new earth. But then it discusses how in this new creation, people are still working. They build houses, they plant vineyards, and they take care of their vineyards. They're still working. Realize work is not the curse. The difficulty of work is a result of the curse on the ground. But work itself is good, ordained by God for us. Do you see that? So Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Servants... And the, old, the New Testament idea of a servant is similar to our idea of an employee, someone who, you, who is working. Servants, obey in all things your masters, or like your employers, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men. Do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men. That means work hard. Whatever God gives you to do, don't do it just to please people. Don't just work because your boss is watching. Don't just work for a paycheck. Ultimately, the way you work is worship. Worship through your work. You work, dedicate your time and efforts to God. 
and whatever you're doing, whether it's picking a bird or shoveling horse poop or whatever it is. That's right. That's right. All of your work is worship. <laughs> then you don't have to shovel horse poop. There, Peter's getting pulled on the list. <laughs> but do you see that? How Paul, he turns it around. He says, don't just work for your boss or for the paycheck. Instead, work for God. Work to please the Lord. And only hard work pleases the Lord. A lazy person brings shame. Hmm. Because God, I think God blesses us with work. And yeah. Whoever has a job is blessed. Uh, if you got a job where you're earning money, if you've had one, then you're blessed. That's right. God's giving you that. So honor God back by working harder. That's right. And can I help you make a little application to your lives? How many of you right now have a job where you get paid for it? That's pretty awesome. So as Mr. Dave said, you're blessed. <clears throat> At the same time, how many of you are in school? Yeah. Do you realize God gave you school right now as one of your primary areas of work? And so these imperatives, these instructions for us about work applies to our school as well. I'm in school too. It's hard. Do your school as unto the Lord. Work hard at it. Don't just shoot for passing grades. Do your best. If a B is your best, awesome. But if a B is your best, don't just shoot for a C. Shoot to do your best in all things because that's what pleases the Lord. And then at the end of the day, go to bed satisfied with a job well done. At the end of the week, take a day off. Take some time to just say, thank you, Lord, that I can rest in you. Jake, you had your hand up. I was going to say, like, uh, on the working thing, like, uh, the first three, 20, um, work like you're doing, being an example to mm-hmm. other people, like, work like God in you. Yeah. And so they have an example of what God's like, so work with them. It's good. Yeah, your work is a testimony to the people around you. Christians should be the hardest workers of them all. You think uh, Jesus was a hard worker? Yeah, totally. Car. He worked hard. Even when he got in that boat on the Sea of Galilee, he didn't even wake up when the storm came. He, was he must have out. been working hard. <laughs> when he was working too hard, he feed the of the people. <laughs> yeah. This is good. I would encourage you guys, as you seek to develop into men, this is part of an issue with our culture, is there's a lack of true men. Because true men work. They work hard. Now I realize there's people who can't do certain jobs. Maybe they have a disability, so they physically can't do a certain job. That's why it's important to clarify. It's not just physical labor. But whatever ability you do have that God's given you, use it responsibly and work hard. That's part of being a true biblical man. And if you still think that work is a drag, it's because you haven't found what you're good at. Because as Phil Robertson says, everybody has a skill set. Find out what you're good at. God has yep. given you a skill set. It's good. Yep. And sometimes right. it's not what you think you like to do. It might be something mm-hmm. that you don't even know that you like to do. You don't even know that you have a skill set for it. Yeah. It's not something I, I necessarily like. I mean, I like to do a lot of things, but I'm better at doing it than better at other things. Hmm. That's, good. Like, less, but. That's good. 
Is this helpful, you guys? Helpful to 